Welcome to the Senior Story Hour, where we share poems, stories, and observations of life written by the Franklin Senior Center Writers Group. I'm Peter Jay. With me, Kathy Salzberg. Kathy, nice to have you with us. Thank you. And we wish Sue Wade a speedy and happy recovery. And so let's say hello to all of our writers. Hi, I'm Alice Judge. Hi, this is Kathy Salzberg. I'm Bill Wiley. I'm Sue Bliven. I'm Pat Winiarski. I'm Gail Alcaris. I'm Carol Belcher. I'm Al Larkin. And Faith Flaherty. Wonderful. Now, last time out, we had had a discussion about fall as a potential topic. And mm-hmm. how many of you actually... Okay. All right. Everybody went there. <laughs> I'm just going to tease you all by saying I did my best. <laughs> okay. I'll just sort of let that hang. It was your idea. I know. I know. Um, so, that said, I say we dive right in with Faith Flaherty. The Train Conductor. The family usually vacations down the Cape. We love the Cape and we feel that the best time to vacation there is September. The crowds of tourists are gone. The weather isn't hot, but it's still warm. The ocean water is warm and swimming is very enjoyable when the water temperature is close to the air temperature. Most, if not all of the shops and amusements are still open and everything's on sale because the season is over. Why wouldn't the same be true in New Hampshire? especially in September when the autumn leaves turn color. That's what my husband and I reasoned, but we were wrong. Five years ago, hubby and I thought we would vacation around Weir's Beach on Lake Winnipesaukee. We had no trouble booking a resort for the second week of September. It was a prime location, boasting a magnificent... It was a prime location, boasting a magnificent view of the surrounding mountains and the lake. However, Fun Spot, known as the world's largest arcade, had closed for the season. Really? We had erroneously thought that the leaf peepers would have enticed Fun Spot to still be open. But not one business was open. Not one. The arcade was a ghost town. The water park was closed, too. We had brought our bathing suits for nothing. It actually was too cool to go to Weir's Beach or the water park. It was sweater weather. Fortunately, the MS Mount Washington was still operating. It cruises around Lake Winnipesaukee, showcasing the mountains, scenic villages, and many small islands. This beautiful scenic trip would have been the best part of the trip, were it not for an unexpected surprise. We bought tickets to ride the Winnipesaukee Scenic Railroad. We bought the only tickets for the train. There we were, standing all alone at the Weir's Beach Depot. As we hopped aboard, the conductor jokingly asked if we scared everyone else away. He told us that we were his only passengers So we asked if the train was going to even bother to go on its route. Oh, yes, he said, because a local senior center had booked the train for a luncheon. It turned out that instead of being disappointed that we were alone on a boring trip, we were treated as special guests. Because there were only the two of us, the conductor made an exception. We were given the best seats on the train. 
he put us in the caboose. He even told us that we could climb up to the caboose's cupola. Cupola, cupola, whatever. But we had the best views up there of anyone. Riding in the caboose, we could still hear the commentary the conductor was narrating. He was quite the entertainer. His humor and knowledge was memorable. He made the ride entertaining. We traveled looking at the colorful leaves along the shore of Lake Winnipesaukee, passing the villages of Meredith and Lakeport, always within sight of the lake. When the time came for the lunch, the conductor was very apologetic because he couldn't feed us, and the meal smelled delicious. We were drooling. Hubby and I noted that the catered meal was from Hart's Turkey Farm and made a mental note to go there for supper. The conductor must have felt sorry for us missing the luncheon because he gave us popsicles for free. He was such a thoughtful man. Sometimes a person can engrave an event in your life. This is one of those occasions. I don't remember the conductor's name, but I cherish the above and beyond call of duty attention he gave two people who would have had one sad, lonely train ride around a big lake. He was the highlight of that vacation. I want to go on that. That sounds great. Yeah, Weir's Beach is an interesting place. Um, When it's empty, it's really empty. (laughs) Um, That's where they have those motorcycles all the time. Right. And I have been there then. That's impressive. Mm. So, Kathy. Yes. Where to from here? Who do we want to? Well, we can just go right around following Faith and go to Al next. Okay, I was away for the summer, so I didn't get the memo on the fall theme. Oh, oh, well, but, you'll uh, have to explain I'll share that. what I have. <laughs> the, um, anyway, we know uh, what the world needs now. Love, of course, it still applies, and truth is in short supply also these days. So in a talk last fall at a morning mass, our young priest used a line in his message, Give Truth a Chance. I told him after that that sounds like a good title for an essay. So here it is. Give truth a chance. We live in a world that could use more trust. We can see good and evil all around us, hoping for the best. In our own life, we have that inner voice that tells us of things that are wrong. Growing up in the city of Boston as a young man, I would often join the others on the corner, watching jiving and telling stories. If you had a good one and wanted to get a laugh for a while, you might embellish, fib, or exaggerate somewhat, maybe to top the other guy. I did some of that, and coming away from the corner one day, I didn't like myself. I listened to my conscience for a change. Made up my mind then and there not to fake it anymore. I felt a sense of relief in having decided to settle for the truth in my stories. To thine own self be true, wrote Shakespeare. A Billy Joel song called Honesty has the lover pleading for what was something most needed in their relationship, a measure of reliability, free of deceit and full of comfort and trust. It seems inherent in our human nature to avoid the truth. What we see in the dialogue about 
what went wrong when questions were asked in the Garden of Eden, even God couldn't get a straight answer. Honesty conforms with truth. The opposite is found in another scripture scene where someone is admired for goodness. Nathaniel was told to come and see the one they were hoping for. As they approached the one who was all about truth, Nathanael was greeted with, Here is a true Israelite. There is no guile in him. He was seen by the truth-teller as innocent without deception, morally correct and honorable. None other ever received such a compliment. I have a lovely cousin, Anna, who has my admiration as someone who is too good to be true. I'm happy to say that she fits such a person to a T, always joyful and kind, easy to trust, and good to be around, honest as they come. As a boy one day, my mother wasn't getting a straight answer from me about something that happened. So from her many sayings, she reminded me, Remember, Albert, you tell one lie, and you have to tell nine more to get out of it. With such wisdom, how could I not but come around? Because we value the truth, when someone fesses up about a wrong they have done, it can be refreshing, and we're usually quick to forgive. Such relief will often mend a relationship. Everyone likes to be right. Some people need to be. The truth not allowed. Collectively, When we come to know something is wrong, someone has to stand up, step up, and speak out to put down what we know as not right. Thomas Jefferson, having helped create a democracy, once said, Democracy will survive as long as enough good people do the right thing. Some people today like to muddy the waters with conspiracies and lies to create doubt for the, for the many or the gullible. Water, like the truth, needs to be clear for us to see through, getting to the bottom of what's real and fiction to reality. We could use more people of courage today as an antidote against the many lies poisoning the truth. Facts need to be known in order to lead us to common-sense, just decisions. When we let our conscience be our guide, with falsehood put away, perhaps truth will have a chance. Lovely, Al. And Thank timely. You. Thank you, Brett. Yes. Like Did you do research for that? No. I just know it was You needed. just knew Thomas Jefferson, <laughs> what he said. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, many, uh, yeah, many things. Yeah, he was one of my heroes, <laughs> an eagle. It was lovely. Oh, thanks. Well done. Wow. Very nice. So, next up. Carol? And I did get the memo. <laughs> I have a little autumn piece. These few words written by Emily Bronte describe how I feel about autumn, too. She wrote, Every leaf speaks bliss to me, fluttering from the autumn tree. Is there any other thing in nature more beautiful than a grove of trees in their full fall color? 
walking among the trees or following a path that offers off dark green of firs, the beauty of a stone wall, and then stepping into the sunlight to behold the bright colors. How wonderful! The only thing that disappoints me in regards to these beauties is the very short time that this show lasts. I have been known to choose a bevy of colors, oranges and red leaves, to press and to frame. No question I could keep them longer, but they do eventually fade. I suppose photos are an obvious way to keep the sight, but for me, nothing matches walking through the earthy-smelling leaves on a crisp blue-blue sky day. It is indeed bliss. Put us there. Yeah, Absolutely. Here's a fun fact and a little project that you can all try. As you were saying about, you know, finding certain leaves and so on, some years ago I went out into the yard and brought a few leaves into the house, put them in my printer scanner. My scanner just sort of flattened them and I I've done them, that. I've done that. Laid them out in some <laughs> artful form. And what I got was just absolutely exquisite. Yeah, they kind of come out beautiful, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's so, if you have a, you know, a printer scanner at home or, you know, combination fax, copier, those all-in-one machines, Mm. it's a fun project to do to get Mm -hmm. some nice-looking images. Suitable for framing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I can control the the colors. Yeah, absolutely. I can control the colors, how bright it is. That's right, absolutely. (laughs) So it's a fun little project as a way of of capturing a moment of fall. And now we'll hear from Gail. Fall. The fall has fallen. Crash. At least according to the weatherman. But we are still feeling like summer around here. The days are beautiful, warm but not oppressive, and the nights are cooler and just right for sleeping. When I picture fall in my mind, there's a kaleidoscope of colors, gold followed by red and yellow and a whole host of complementary colors. It used to be, back in the day, that when a student graduated from college, she was supposed to have a knowledge of the good, the true, and the beautiful. Nature gave a boost to students as, when they started back to classes, things were tumultuous at first as everyone got adjusted and found out how things were working. But as everything settled down, everyone stopped to notice what was outside. And there it was, beautiful fall and autumn leaves. Also, in that time between the oppression of summer and the dangers of ice and snow, the horses of the police department were exercised on the banks of the Fenway, and one could hear the rhythmic clomp of their hooves as they navigated between the fallen leaves. As fall gets nippier, mothers lay out sweaters, hats, and jackets for the kids to wear to school. Meanwhile, the kids start to think about Halloween, and the stores actively promote this with all their promotions. But meanwhile, we older folks plan our last trip to the beach and to get in a last dip before the water gets too cold. By October 12th, the cottage must be cleaned up, the water turned off, 
and somebody notified to notify us if something seems amiss. Meanwhile, we go for a drive to the Mohawk Trail with its spectacular hairpin turn and all the scenery along with it. But we must not wait too late because all the so-called leaf peepers will be out taking pictures, buying souvenirs, and clogging up the traffic. Now my chrysanthemums are on my doorstep. Their color will last for a time into the fall, and they won't fail for a long while yet until it's time to get out the Halloween skeletons. Well, there are many beautiful places to visit in the U.S., but God must have been visualizing fall when he had some writer call us America the Beautiful. All right. I uh, did a leaf peeping run a few years ago on the Kankamangas Highway. Mm. Oh. Absolutely stunning. Beautiful. Breathtaking. Mm. Yeah. Big recommend on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Pat. An autumn stroll. The clarity of a radiant blue, cloudless sky, crisp air, and luminous sunshine together bring a smile to the earth and joy to me as I stroll along the wooded path by the lake. Deep crimson, burnt orange, and bright yellow leaves drift down from the trees as if choreographed in a slow, swirling dance, cloaking the verdant grass as a carpet of intermingled hues. A light breeze brushes my face, the warm, musky scent of autumn fragrances, the cool air. As I slosh through the leaves, a distinct crushing and crackling adds music to the whirling elm, maple, and oak. The coolness and color of autumn refreshes the spirit as the transition from a steaming summer to a freezing winter transpires. That sums up Fall's Exit. That's a word, glorious. Truly. And you have something for our soup? Autumn's Pegasus. The leaves are falling. It is late September. The air is cool, and then it's hot. Summer is not letting go yet. The horses are growing winter coats. Still not thick enough to protect on these very chilly mornings. But who can resist a ride on such a day? This has got to be the best time of year to ride. The vicious summer biting insects are no longer an issue. The footing is amazing compared to muddy spring. And you don't have to deal with ice, snow, and the heavy clothes of winter. However, there is one thing that can make this ride interesting. It is what I call the Pegasus Effect. When horses think they have wings. Horses get cold too. They feel this crisp air and take to the skies, bucking, kicking, and bouncing in so many ways. Fun to watch when they are turned out. Very entertaining when you're on their backs. Depending on, one, the horse's personality, two, your relationship with your horse, and three, how good you are at sticking to the saddle, can make this a fun ride or you're picking yourself up off the ground and running to catch your horse, who by now is gone. Two miles later, you catch up to him or her, check for injuries, lovingly scold, bad horse, remount, and with the Pegasus effect, 
worn off, you continue to have an amazing ride. Now you can see the changing colors gallop in control across large meadows, jump every stone wall and fallen tree in your path. Your horse is fit, playful, and having as much fun as you are. Finally, you settle down to an easy walk, let your horse rest and cool down. You drop your stirrups and drop the reins to the buckle, allowing your horse to drop his head and relax. You take in the scent of pine needles, fresh air, and if you're lucky enough to have a riding partner with you, just enjoy life to the fullest. Three hours later brings you back to the barn or trailer and back to reality. We'll do this again soon, though. There will be another crisp and frisky day. All right. Boy, my granddaughters love to hear that. Please? Would my granddaughters love to hear that? Mm. Yeah. That's their life. If you know about horses, you know what this is about. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the horses on the Fenway, too. They used to like to go out in the fall because you just had the ground. It was hard, but it wasn't rock hard, and it wasn't muddy, and it wasn't slouchy, and you couldn't get killed on the ice or the snow. Oh, so, yeah, it can go fast. Yeah, so they used <laughs> to go back and forth up and down the Fenway, the whole yeah. troop of horses. I like your line about uh, the horses are having as much fun as you are. Oh, they are. That's yeah. true. They yeah. have personalities. Oh, they, are. they have personalities. Yeah. They're amazing. And then you can feel their muscles and just feel the power. Yeah. The best thing is if you have it all, like they're working with you at the same time, it's really good. Absolutely. If not, it's entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds nice. Big Bill. Hi, um, I'm Bill Wiley, and uh, I wrote this short poem about, uh, about the fall. Uh, summer comes to an end. As the summer begins to fade, I'll miss the warm weather, I have to say. The wind and rain will start to blow, and then we'll see the white falling snow. We'll shovel our driveway, we'll shovel our walks, but don't want to think about this and don't want to talk. A mild winter is just what I want, but I'm thinking too far ahead about this jaunt. First the fall will come with beautiful colors, the leaves will fall, we'll take photos of each other. Summer is coming to a close. Soon we'll be putting on heavier clothes. Very good. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't sure how, how good it was. <laughs> I wasn't interested in hearing about snow. Winter. Mm -mm -mm. <laughs> okay, well, I have the same theme. This is called My Favorite Season. I have always loved the fall. Let's face it, we live in New England, the world's best spot for leaf peepers. Plus, the season matches my personal color palette, and the weather is ideal. As a fair-skinned Irish person with auburn hair, those colors of russet, burnt orange, magenta, yellow, and olive green are the ones that suit me best, and the cool autumn weather is my favorite as well. I'm still not much of a beachgoer in the summer. I get a sunburn walking from the parking lot to the shore before I even spread my blanket and put up my umbrella. And I pretty much shiver all through winter. I have no complaints about spring except for all those insects that come with it. <laughs> but fleas and ticks boost your business if you're a dog rumor like I was. As a kid, I welcomed the fall. Coming from a large family with no extra money, I didn't share the delights of my friends who spent summer vacations at their cottages. 
Our big thrill was an occasional trip to Nantasket Beach and Paragon Park across the street. Also, I was one of those goody-two-shoes kids who looked forward to going back to school. As the years went speeding by, I also realized that you don't need to go on a trip to enjoy the fall foliage. By October, the trees along my street and in my yard were a beautiful mix of those same rainbow colors you'd see all over New England. There is perhaps nowhere better for this colorful show than the Mohawk Trail, that highway which runs from the New York border to the Connecticut River. My daughter fell in love with Western Mass when she went to college out there, ending up buying a little cabin on a hillside in Bernardston, a tiny town smack dab in the middle of the foliage mecca. It's near the Bridge of Flowers in nearby Shelburne Falls, which lights on fire at this time of year with the orange, yellow, and red maple leaves framing it, as well as some late summer and fall flowers still in bloom there. Also in Shelburne Falls are the glacial potholes found on the Deerfield River at the base of Salmon Falls. They are a testament to the creative power of geological time, ice, and rock. These otherworldly whirlpools are one of the largest collections of natural potholes in the world. Known as kettles in geological terms, they date back hundreds of millions of years, most recently taking the form they have today at the conclusion of the glacial age. As the glaciers receded, 50 separate pools ranging from 6 inches to 39 feet in diameter were formed, the round holes ground down by a whirlpool effect of water and gyrating stones of varied sizes. As a result of the constant whirling of the granite stones, the potholes took on a remarkably symmetrical and round shape. They continue to be formed to this day during the end of winter snowmelt, when water levels rise significantly and the grinding millstones, still found in the smaller potholes, are whipped up into swirling whirlpools. As I viewed them, I thought of the mysterious force in the earth below, the beating heart of our planet. I still don't have a summer cottage, but I can always take a weekend getaway to my daughter's little hideaway, hideaway up in the hills. And even better, it's free. <laughs> I love the Berkshires. Mm. I want to be there. It is beautiful right this time of year. Yeah. Yeah. really is. I didn't get the memo. <laughs> and I was here to get the memo, but I must have had been intent on the subject I'm going to talk about. And I couldn't improve. I couldn't improve in all the lovely things that I have heard today from my fellow writers. So, having said that, the name of my uh, writing is Sweetie or Honey? That is a question. Being a senior citizen is challenging. I know that I am singing to the choir when I make that statement. I can tell you are nodding your head in agreement out there over the airwaves. Now I'm go not going to get into a serious discussion 
of being a senior citizen, but I am going to ponder with you, I hope, something that has me wondering at times, and that is, since entering my 60s and beyond, why do people call me sweetie or honey? The retail person behind the counter, the guy pumping gas, the waitress waiting on me that's younger or older than me, I'm still not sure how to take this, but it's been years now, so I let it go thinking, I'm glad you don't call me anything more aggressive. A while back, I was looking for a recliner, so I went to my favorite furniture store. As I entered, a man greeted me. Hi, sweetheart, is there anything I can help you with? I told the guy I was looking. Okay, sweetheart, if you need my help, just let me know. I was a little amused and a little annoyed. You must think that that will give him a better, bigger commission, I thought. A half hour later, I had decided on my purchase. and was looking around for a salesperson to help me. You guessed it, the only salesperson around was the same guy that had greeted me. Did you find what you wanted, sweetheart? I answered in the affirmative to which she said, Come up to the desk, sweetheart, and I'll take your order. Following him, I asked, How do you know I'm a sweetheart? I may be a son of a bee. Oh, no, he said, you're a sweetheart. Do you always call every female sweetheart, I asked. Yes, and it drives my wife crazy. Do you call her sweetheart, I wanted to know? No, was his simple answer. That may be the reason it drives her crazy. After that discourse, he quieted down and we transacted business. When I turned to leave, I expected another sweetheart goodbye, but it wasn't to be. Maybe he was thinking about his wife and how things would be better if, indeed, he called her sweetheart. Let's hope so. Another time, my friend and I were having dinner in a well-known restaurant and were waited on by a young lady in her 20s. She kept calling my friend and I, honey. I thought I was the only one getting these salutations until my friend commented on the subject as our waitress gave us a bill and called us honey after many such references. My friend started in on how she doesn't like such a greeting from someone she doesn't know or will never see again. After about 10 minutes of conversation, we decided to leave a note for the young waitress, telling her how we felt and that perhaps she should not do that, all with a good tip to let the medicine go down well. We had a pen but not paper to write our note to who we thought was a very good server, but young, who might need the guidance of older, but wiser women. After searching in our purses, we decided to use a napkin, telling her how she shouldn't call women honey because they could be offended and not leave a good tip, which we knew she relied on. We told her how much we appreciated her service and hoped she would take our thoughts as not criticism, but constructive thoughts to help her. Honestly, we don't know whether she read the napkin or just crumbled it up with the rest of the trash on the table. Many months have gone by since, and I haven't been called sweetheart or honey. I don't think I'm acting any different or my demeanor has changed. Could be I don't notice anymore. I am curious, though, as to how other seniors feel about the subject. 
So if you have an opinion on, about this, I would like you to contact the show via the radio station so I can get your sh uh, slant on this. Oh, and as long as I'm confessing what bugs me, I have to include this story, what happened, that happened last March when my 13-year-old Toyota Camry conked out on me just before Rentham Center. I called AAA, and within the hour, a young man came to tow my car to an auto place I use. The guy was driving a huge Mack truck, a two-seater, and he expected me to climb aboard via these strips of metal that one was to put your feet up and hoist yourself up. I looked at this good-looking man in front of me, who must have been in his 20s as he nodded for me to get in as if nothing was amiss. I did reach for the first rung and knew I couldn't do this. He was quick to assure me that the police would drive me home. This would work out well since my auto place and apartment were right next to each other. So he called the police station and told them an elderly woman's car was being towed and she needed a ride. I yelled at him with indignation, elderly, 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 I'm not elderly, and gave him a look to kill. I'm not sure he got the message, but he didn't charge me, so perhaps he did. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> this truck. I could not believe it. <laughs> and he's nodding his head like, go ahead. Uh -huh. <laughs> go ahead. And I knew I'd fall on him and really... <laughs> and that would not be good. No, no that would not complication. be good. Well, I will wrap it all up with my attempt at writing about fall. I call it my attempt. This is actually based on a true story. Brisk, is it? Crisp, bracing, brisk. These are the words we often apply to a typical early fall day. I was enjoying one. If I were to wax poetic, opining that October's breeze runs brisk, few would argue. Fall can indeed be invigorating, crisp, bracing, brisk. These words are abstractions that can refer to the weather, to speed, or even color of behavior, abstractions. Some years ago, I think it was around 1992, BG, <laughs> before Google, <laughs> <laughs> I looked up the word brisk. I cracked open my trusty dog-eared Webster's Collegiate Pocket Edition, always at arm's length on the desk, a plotting writer's tool for managing nuance a subtle difference in or shade of meaning or expression. I looked that one up earlier, but I digress. The only entry in the Webster's for brisk was brisk as in tea. Wait, what? A disorganized flock of question marks flew across my face. Now, while brisk isn't a complex word, I expected more. Then it hit me. This must be a brand placement, albeit an indirect reference for Lipton, the brisk tea. Now, I enjoy a nice tea, especially in the fall, but 
Wait. Someone punked the dictionary. If so, besmirching a word in the dictionary is tantamount to lexicographic vandalism. I put it to you. While dictionaries can be both prescriptive and descriptive with respect to shaping and shading the meaning of words, there have to be limits. An ad in the dictionary, it's the fall, the fall of civilization as we know it. <laughs> I scrambled to find another reference, the American Heritage Dictionary. Aha, no tea. The Cambridge Dictionary, no tea. Then I pulled up the massively detailed Oxford English Dictionary, the ultimate arbiter and essential reference for all things English. By the way, arbiter was 2018's word of the year, but I digress. <laughs> In the expanse yet compendious Oxford entry for brisk, 50-odd lines worth, still no T. Did Noah Webster and Commander Thomas Lipton strike some shady backroom deal? Not likely, since Lipton wasn't even born until 1848, five years after Webster's death. How could this happen? As a practitioner of the advertising and media arts, not on my watch. Again, I digress. Back to fall. Just as the fall season takes its shorter name from the fall of harvest wheat, Webster's fall from my good graces would have old Noah spinning in his grave. Brisk has nothing to do with tea, and you could stick that in your Funkin' Wagnall. <laughs> <laughs> so I sit, musing in autumn's waning sun and crisp breeze, a bit flummoxed, if not perturbed, by the surreptitious commercialization of a word. Is there no linguistic justice? Perhaps a sternly worded letter to the Times. That's a major tongue twister. When I, when I play music, uh, I, I say BB before Beatles. Yes. <laughs> but that is absolutely a true story. I cracked open the book, wow. and there it was, brisk yeah. as in tea, and it said nothing else. Wow. It made a nice piece, though. That uh, was good. Yeah. <laughs> iced tea. Iced tea, usually. Yeah. Maybe but iced tea no, would be, but... I will remember BG before Google. Yes. <laughs> I always say BM before marriage. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a life Another marker. Another topic. <laughs> right. Exactly. Wow. Well, we'll see what reaction we have to honey, sweetheart, and deary and all that. Yeah. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, please let us know. Contact the radio station. Kathy, we've done well. We have in Sue's absence, but we miss her. Yes. Oh, we sure do. And we wish her a speedy recovery. So if you would like to join our writer's group, just call the Senior Center, 520-4945. For all of today's writers, Alice Judge, Kathy Salzberg, Bill Wiley, Sue Bliven, Pat Winiarski, Gail Alcaris, Carol Belcher, Al Larkin, Faith Flaherty. Thanks for being with us here on Senior Story Hour. I'm Peter Jay. Remember, be they laced with gravity, levity, wisdom, or whimsy, the meaningful experiences of life become a little larger when you share them, when you take a moment to commit pen to paper and just write.
This is FPR.